you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and join me in Exodus 3. If you don't have a Bible, amen. Well, I apologize. We typically don't put up the words on the screen. I don't know, Jeremy, if you could find it fast enough. It's Exodus 3, 1 through 10. If not, again, I do apologize. But I'm going to read just a brief uh, few verses, and then we're going to get into the Word. Thank you for understanding as we balance everything and I know all our children are excited to get back to their normal schedule and our teens and all that. We will be, Lord willing, next Wednesday in Jesus' name. Amen. Until that time, I appreciate you working with us and being flexible and understanding and praying as well. Exodus 3, verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock to Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not uh, nigh hither, put off thy shoes, from off thy feet, for the place whereupon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have see, surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of the taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring excuse me, and to bring out, out of that land into a good and large land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, one preacher said, and a bunch of parasites. <laughs> and now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come upon me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And just for a few minutes tonight of your time, I want to treach on this topic called to respond. Amen. Called to respond. Father, let the living word preach the written word and cause my tongue to be the pen of a ready writer. Inscribe your words upon our hearts tonight, Lord. Open our understanding that we might comprehend Scripture. And cause every hindrance to be rebuked and cast out. Bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we pray all of this in the majestic and the marvelous and the magnificent name of Jesus Christ. If you believe it, would you say amen? God bless you. You can be seated. Again, thank you for being here. We welcome and greet our guests in Jesus' name. All of you joining us online, we welcome you as well. And uh, look forward to what God is going to do this night. And continually, amen? Well, welcome to God's new normal. It's a shift, not a season. It's what happened last Thursday night when around Thursday afternoon I received a text. Brother Manuel had invited four co-workers to join the Bible study. Amen. And they're going to be there tomorrow night too. Hallelujah. Welcome to God's new normal. It's a shift, not a season. It's saints accepting 
God's call to reach out and plant and water. And many of you have begun to tell me accounts of God using you to witness to friends and coworkers, family, neighbors, etc. Welcome to God's new normal. It's a shift, not a season. It's being called by God to respond. So I ask tonight, who's with me? Who will join me on this journey into God's new normal, into this God shift? I want to talk about our text tonight and share with you some things the Lord shared with me. And I believe leave you with something that will empower you and edify you to answer God's call to respond. The first thing I want to point out and that God showed me was that God appeared to Moses in something familiar. It was a burning bush on the backside of the desert. Amen. He had come to the mountain of God. He did not know, I don't believe at this time, that it was the mountain of God. But God knew it was. And he's nearby, and he happens to notice a burning bush. Now, this was not uncommon in the desert. Because spontaneous combustion of these bushes happen all the time. And as quickly as they light up, they go out, and that's it. What was different about this bush was it kept burning, and the bush wasn't consumed. It caught his eye. And God appears to us through things that are familiar. When God appeared to Abraham as the king of Salem, Melchizedek. This was not uncommon for Abraham. He had dealings with many kings. When we think of kings, we sometimes think of kings that rule over millions of people, massive amounts of land and all that, and certainly there are those types of kings in the Scripture. But at the time of Abraham, the population wasn't quite that large. And a king might just be over a few handful of people, 500 maybe, or maybe 1,000, or even sometimes less than that. But he had dealings with kings, and God appeared to him in something familiar. With the oral tradition that is still today for the Jews, is it any wonder that God appeared to Joseph in a dream? Because he had also appeared to his dad, Jacob, in a dream, something familiar. When God appeared to Joshua as the captain of the Lord's host, he came because Joshua himself was a captain. It was something familiar to Joshua. So no wonder then that for Moses it was a burning bush, something that was familiar to shepherds. Let me say this. God's going to call you in something that is familiar. Don't look for God to appear to you the same way he appears to others. It won't happen. It's going to be different for you because you're unique and different than someone else. And when he comes, it may not come in the extravagant. It may not come in the neon light, well lit, 
you know, type of thing. It's going to come in something that's familiar. Amen. Moses' attention was, was caught and captivated, and he turned aside to see what was going on. He obeyed the prompting and walked, amen, towards what God was doing. And God spoke to him. Let me say this. When God appears to you, and it's something in the familiar, do what Moses did. Turn aside and see what it's all about. Pause and reflect and listen. Do what Samuel did. Speak, Lord, for your servant listens. Brother Keith, you told me of a time, I believe you were coming to the church for a Bible study or something, and you were on your way to a grocery store and and felt the prompting of the Lord to go to a different one to get the items you needed. In that familiar prompting, just something familiar, going to get a few groceries, going to get a couple of things, Keith obeyed and happened to walk into the store with a backslider. God is calling us to respond. The question is, will we answer obediently? It may seem strange to go to a different grocery store, but what if that's an opportunity to answer God's call? You see, some plants, some waters, but God gives the increase. Amen? After he turned aside to see, God responds and reveals himself. That's the second thing God showed me. Look at verse 4. And when the Lord saw that he, he being Moses, turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush. Let me tell you, when God brings a familiar experience, he's not going to call your name until you pause and take a look at what's going on. Can I just say that's why we need to slow down in this fast-paced, crazy world. We live in such a microwave generation. We, we want to treat God as if he were like a, like a drive-thru. Pull up and, you know, God, I'll take a miracle, two blessings, and can you supersize it, please? And we're mad if there's three people in front of us in the line. God wants us to slow down. And when Moses paused, when Moses stopped and observed and then turned aside to see and begin to make his way, that's when God spoke to him. Amen? So, do you want God to reveal himself to you? I know I do. I want God to minister to me. I want to have an ongoing relationship with him the way it, it will happen. The way God will reveal himself is when I respond to the call. Oh, hallelujah. When you respond to God, God will reveal himself to you. You know, often what God asks us to do doesn't really make sense. But as you've heard me say from this pulpit many times, it always makes saints. I mean, let's be honest. Did it really matter that day in the grand scheme of things where Keith bought his groceries? No. Not really. Except that he wouldn't have bumped into those people 
at any other place. You know, I've often said it this way. I would rather obey the prompting of the Lord and nothing happen than to not obey and wonder what would have happened if I would have obeyed. I would rather run the risk of, of going to a different grocery store because I felt the prompting and it wind up just being heartburn. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying every prompting is from God. That's what I'm trying to get at here. But I would rather respond to it and nothing happen and, and at least have a peace of mind that I at least responded than to not respond and wish I had. Because if I happen to be the spark, if I happen to be the person that God uses to either water or plant, and it's the moment he wants to give the increase, I don't want to miss my opportunity to obey God. God is calling us to respond. My question is, are we listening? Have you ever been at a place like a mall or an airport or somewhere where the noise, the, the cacophony of noise is just like, ah, right? You ever been on the phone trying to talk in a place like that? You know, it's like, hold on, I can't hear you, right? Anybody can relate with me, you know? And you get a quiet moment, you're like, yeah, Emily's down here going, yeah, I can relate. And I don't have to go to a mall. It's like, <laughs> she's in the living room, Brother Joseph, and she can relate. Boy over here and boy over there, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sometimes we've just got to step away from all the noise of this world. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Sometimes we need to see a step away from all of the garbage that this world is talking about. Just shut it all off and say, God, what are you saying? It was a sound from heaven that came and a mighty rushing wind. I don't want a sound from man. Hallelujah. I want a sound from heaven. Amen. God asks Moses after he responds, after he turns aside to see and God calls his name, God then says, Moses, take off your shoes. He doesn't really ask him. He tells him, take off your shoes because the place whereon you stand is holy ground. Now, this didn't make logical sense for a few reasons. First of all, the desert floor can be hot. Uh, so if it's, if it's during the, the, the you know, daytime, it can be hot sand. That could, could hurt you know, or, or harm his feet. Uh, there could be sharp bushes or other things that could scrape along. Uh, there could be snakes that could possibly be dangerous. And, and you think, well, how can a sandal really fix all that? Well, it would protect some. But he's told to take that off. It was a trust statement. Amen. Trusting God is not always easy, but it's always right. And by the way, the Bible says to trust in the Lord with all your heart, not some of it. And it's interesting to me, he doesn't say trust in the Lord with your mind. He says trust with your heart. Now, of course, biblically, interchangeably, the heart and mind are interconnected. But there he specifically uses heart, the motions, the seed of emotion, not the logic. Trust God with your emotions. It may not make sense, 
It may not feel right. Are you understanding what I'm saying? But if you'll trust in the Lord with not some, not 99.9, but all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge him, what will he do? Direct your paths. That means to make them straight. He'll take the, the crooked confusion out of life and lead you directly in the way you should go. Now, as far as we know, this is Moses' first encounter with God. And I believe it came because he obediently responded to God. Let me just say this. If you feel like God has not revealed himself to you, could it be that you've either not turned aside to see something that he's doing in the familiar, or maybe you've not responded obediently to take off your shoes? Maybe God is calling you to a, a new level of anointing, a new level of purpose, but you just haven't yet responded. Well, what's the answer to that? It's to respond. If he's calling you to turn aside to see, if, he, if you've already turned aside to see, then obey what he's saying to do. God's word is true. If you seek him diligently, the Bible says with all your heart, you will find him. And we know, Titus 2.13, God cannot lie. Hallelujah. God then revealed the need to Moses. He didn't start with the need. He started with something familiar. He started with a burning bush. And if Moses would have never turned aside, he'd have never heard about a need. He'd have never been called out by God. He'd have never been, been seen God in that way and had a revelation of the I am that I am. But because he turned aside to something familiar, God then revealed to him who he was. And God revealed to him the need and the reason for calling him. Verses 7 through 10, and actually all the way to verse 18, God reveals the need. I've seen the affliction of my people, he says. I've heard their cry, and I'm going to do something about it. And I'm calling you, Moses, to help. God reveals his plan. Verses 11 through 18 reveal God's plan about how he's going to plunder the Egyptians. Can I say that when we respond to God, He will reveal Himself and He will reveal the great need of the world. For Moses, the great need was the cry of God's people who were enslaved in Egypt to whom God was going to deliver. For us, the great need is the cry of the lost in our community. So let me ask, who will answer the call? Who will respond obediently to God's calling to respond? Amen? I want you to catch this. God did not reveal himself to Moses so that Moses could make a shrine out of an unconsumed bush. God revealed himself to Moses so that he would answer the call. You know, I wonder if some of us, the reason we haven't received something from God yet is because we would try to enshrine the moment that God called us. 
And he's not calling us to a moment. He's calling us to a movement. Well, praise God. Mm. Jesus does not pray for a harvest. It's vast enough. Jesus prays for laborers to answer the call and go into the harvest. Will you answer? Will you respond? God is calling. Amen? We're in a shift, not a season. Welcome to God's new normal. This is where God promises to plunder our enemies and use them to bless his people. <laughs> in Exodus chapter 3, 19 through 22, the rest of the chapter, God sets forth prophetically that the king of Egypt is going to uh, oppose. He's going to have his heart hardened, but God's going to come against him. God's going to bring plagues and wonders upon the land of Egypt and smite them. God's going to do these things and give favor to his people and in the sight of the Egyptians. Amen? It says when you come to pass uh, that when you go, you shall not go away empty. God is promising to them that what has plagued you is now going to bless you. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. The thing that's been fighting against you is what's going to bless you. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. The thing that's been coming against your heart and mind and spirit, the thing that's been coming against the church is what God is going to take and then turn around for your blessing. Hallelujah. Praise God. He says here that you're going to spoil. That means to plunder the Egyptians. But let me say this. What God is calling us to is daunting. And it will definitely involve a whole lot of faith. Hmm. The shift that God has given us, as 1 Corinthians 16, 9 says, it's a great door and effectual. It's been opened unto us, and there are many adversaries. See, it's one thing to shout about a shift. It's one thing to praise God, amen, because there's been a prophetic word. It's another thing to step into it and fight off some enemies. Well, praise God. But you know what's interesting? We've been promised victory. Even though there's many adversaries, even though this great door is open before us and many adversaries are going to try to shut it and stop us from going through it, the Bible says that greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. In fact, listen to Deuteronomy 30, verse 7. I don't know if you can find that real quick, Brother Jeremy. Deuteronomy 30, verse 7. I want to wait till you get it up here because I want you to see this. God showed me this today and I had a little... Uh, Holy Ghost fit, you might say. Amen. Amen. Deuteronomy 30, verse 7, uh, the Lord speaks, and he says here, The Lord shall cause thy enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. Now, I don't know if this is where the quote was originated from, 
But for the longest time, I've heard a quote that goes something like this. You know, that guy's going to get beat seven ways to Sunday. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard that or a, or a variation of that, but I've heard that a few times. And, and when I read this today, I thought, oh, wow, the devil's going to come against me. The adversaries are going to try to stop the church one way, but they're going to be beat seven ways. Hmm. By the way, the Bible also says that when the thief is exposed, he has to repay sevenfold. So not only is he going to get beat seven ways and flee seven different ways away, he's also going to have to repay sevenfold. Has anybody lost a little bit of joy? Anybody lost a little bit of faith? Anybody lost some peace and love? Guess what's going to happen? You're going to get restored sevenfold. Ah, hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, yeah. The devil is going to oppose this shift with the full arsenal of his evil devices. But the Bible tells us we are wise to his devices and we will not be overcome. Why? Because darkness has never overcome the light. Darkness is not equal with light, it's not the opposite of light. Darkness is the absence of light. If this room were pitch black and there wasn't a, a single shred of light coming in anywhere, one strike of a simple match would change it, would illuminate the room. The devil can fight all he wants to. But I've read the back of the book, and he's got a date, an expiration date, with the lake of fire. Meanwhile, the born-again believers have a date with destiny where we're changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye and spend eternity with Jesus. So, I want to ask a question tonight. Knowing that it will not be easy, I wonder, are you still willing to answer the call of God Obediently. You see, when Jesus called disciples, we read of many of those that immediately dropped their nets or left their money-changing table like Matthew or whatever and followed him. We know great crowds amassed and, and, and many followed him regularly. If you, if you could say it was the church of Jesus, you know, there was about 500 that were regularly with him in attendance at, at varying places where he taught and preached and ministered. And even after the, the big crowds would leave, that nucleus of about 500 would, would remain. We also know that in addition to the 12 apostles, there were 70 other disciples who he commissioned and sent out. And they did some great things. We also know this is the same 70 that when Jesus talked some hard sayings in John chapter 6, they turned and left and said, we refuse to follow anymore. I love Jesus' attitude. When the 70 leave, which ironically is John 6, 66, 666, the you know, number of the devil, the number of Antichrist. When, when, when the 70 leave, Jesus turns to the 12 apostles and says, will you leave also? In other words, he was saying, I'm not changing who I am. I'm not changing my message. I'm not going to chase down the 70 who don't want to follow me just because it's a hard saying. 
And the 12, I love Peter's response. Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we know eventually Peter would deny, but then he would repent and, of course, preach the day of Pentecost. But my point is this. I agree with Peter. Where would we go? And so, again, knowing that there are many adversaries on the other side of this open door, in this shift that God is calling us to, are you still willing to answer the call and respond obediently? Knowing that it's going to be a spiritual attack, knowing that it's going to be a little bit of warfare, are you still willing to answer the call? I am. I don't believe I'm alone. I believe you are too. Willing to answer that call. So here's what I want to ask. If you're here tonight and you're not born again, I want to encourage you that that's the first call you need to answer. The Bible says repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's Acts 2.38. We know from John 3 that we're to be born again of water and spirit. John 3, 3, John 3, 5. What an opportunity to be, have our sins atoned as we repent and call upon God. And let me just say this. I'm all for getting help that we need in all kinds of ways. But the best help we can get is making sure that our souls are saved. You ask anybody that's been born again. You ask anybody that's a, a believer today and they'll tell you. This is what I was before, but I met him, and now I'm something different. Hallelujah. And it's always better. He has power to deliver, power to heal, power to save, and all of that comes, amen, because we're born again. So that's the first call to answer. If you're not born again, I, I want to encourage you. Repent tonight. You want to get baptized? we got plenty of towels. we got plenty of robes. We'll baptize you in Jesus' name. Amen. And God will fill you with his Holy Spirit. The second thing is, if you're willing to answer the call, even knowing that it's going to be difficult, even knowing that there are adversaries, and I wonder how many of you would stand to your feet. And I know the whole social distancing thing, I get all of that, so I don't expect you to crowd around the front, but we've got enough aisles where you can get out and stand in the aisle, and some of you can make your way to the front. Amen. If you're willing to answer the call, if you're willing to say, you know what, I'm with you. I'll walk into this shift. I'll walk through that open door knowing that there's adversaries that, that want to oppose. I'll do it because I know God's with me. Would you stand with me? If you can make your way into an aisle, you want to come around the front, go ahead. But if you're willing to say, I'm going to, I'm going to answer this call. I'm going to do what it takes. I'm going to be willing to step out. Now, if you're online, I know you can't uh, uh, stand with us here tonight in person, but, but maybe you can stand in your living room. Maybe you can make a gesture of standing and say, you know what? I know, Bishop, you can't see me, but, but we can see you and we're standing with you. Maybe put a couple of thumbs up on the comments if you're there and you're willing to stand. I know it's going to be tough. I know there's going to be some difficult days ahead. I know that there's going to be some rough patches here and there. 
but I know he's with me. And I know I'll be successful if I obey the call. This I know. One way or another, I'm going to pay the price. I'll either pay the price to be a dedicated disciple of Jesus or I'll pay the price to reject him. And Either way, I'm going to pay a price. I might as well invest in something where my eternity is going to be with him. Lord Jesus, I pray tonight that you would infuse each of us with your Holy Spirit. Give us, oh God, the strength, the courage to stand. I thank you for everyone tonight, here and online, that is willing to stand and make that statement that we're answering the call to respond. God, as the days come where it's difficult, where it's challenging, Give us the strength of your spirit to stand in the face of that adversity. And like the three Hebrew boys, stand regardless of who else may not stand and regardless of the cost before us. I pray, Jesus, that you would help each one of us to serve you, to love you, to give our all to you, heart, soul, mind, and strength answering the call to respond. God, we may even doubt like Moses did and stutter like he did, but God, you're going to give us the courage to answer your call. I want you to just lift your hands all across this building and online. I feel the presence of the Lord right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for your strength. Come on, I want you to just begin to thank the Lord right now. I know you may not feel a single goose bump. You may not even speak a single tongue in the heavenly language, but God right now is infusing his church with strength. I feel it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, we receive what you're giving to us right now. We receive what you're doing in our hearts right now, and we're willing, Lord, to stand. We're willing to fight the good fight of faith. We're willing, oh God, to persevere. We're willing, oh God, to respond and obey in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you what obedience looks like in this shift. Because sometimes we don't have faith. I say we because I'm including my, I'm not just pointing at you. I got three right back at me. Sometimes we struggle with faith. But here's what obedience looks like in this shift. It's Peter who's toiled all night long. Ain't caught a blessed thing. And along comes a rabbi slash carpenter and says, Hey, cast your net on the other side. Yeah, um, it's the same fish on either side of the boat. I've already tried that, (laughs) right? Peter's a skilled fisherman. His dad was a skilled fisherman. His brother Andrew was a skilled fisherman. They knew what they were doing. 
But watch what Peter says. I ain't got a single shred of, this is the MTP commentary. I ain't got a single shred of faith, God, but at your word. I, I pointed something out the other day. I was talking to a couple of brothers. Jesus told him to let down the nets, plural. And when Peter responded, Brother Chris, he said, at your word, I'll let down the net. Now, they caught such a great catch of fish that it nearly sank two boats. Not just, not just Peter's. Brother Trevor, I've got to wonder what would have happened if he'd have put nets. How many more boats would have they filled up? But that's what obedience is going to look like in this shift. Peter didn't feel it. There was not a single emotional goosebump saying, Woo! I'm going to let down the net. There wasn't an ounce of faith. There wasn't a praise team pumping him up. There wasn't a preacher yelling in a microphone. There was none of that. It was simple obedience. Okay, Lord. It's also Martha and Mary. Lord, he's been dead six or uh, four days. He stinks. Stink don't stop Jesus. Roll the stone away. Okay. That's your word. That's what obedience looks like in this shift. Don't wait for a feeling. Don't wait for some special infusion of faith to run up and down your spine like a bunch of goosebumps. Just obey. And watch what God will do. Are you willing to do that? You're called to respond. Who's going to answer? Hallelujah. One more time, can we lift up our voices, lift up our hands, and tell God we're going to obey. Jesus, we may not understand it. We may have toiled all night. Our dream may be dead for four days, God, but we're going to respond in faith like Mary and Martha did, like Peter did. God, we're going to respond, and we're going to see you do great things. It may not make sense, Lord, but we're going to obey, and we're going to see what you do when we obey in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, clap your hands to the Lord and bless him. Again, I want to thank all of you for being here. God bless you. Sunday will be just at 1030. There will not be first and second half, just 1030. So everything in the first half time, uh, the praise team will be singing. So there'll be a full uh, slot of songs. And then I'll be preaching. And then, of course, we'll, just, we'll dismiss after that. Lord willing, the following Sunday, the 30th, we should be back to our full first and second half Sunday school youth and all of that. And, of course, next Wednesday. God bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in online. Thank you for being here in person. Let's go be the church.